I'm Danica Juarez. And I'm Jan James. And this is How's It Hold Up? Hi, I'm Danica. And I'm Jan. And I'm Valerie. And today we watched the 1991 film, The Princess and the Goblin. It wasn't too far off. (laughs) The reaction is that I was like, when do you guys think this was made? I called it 89. Yeah, they were making guesses. Yeah. Uh, So this came out like the same year as Beauty and the Beast. So Mm -hmm. Um, this film is an adaptation of George MacDonald's 1872 novel of the same name. Is it The Princess and the Goblin or Goblins? Princess and the Goblin. Oh, okay. Who would like to give a brief spoiler-free plot synopsis of this film? Uh, let's see where to start. Um, yeah, in this kingdom, uh, there's Princess Irene, who we see in the forest, uh, being watched over by her nanny. Uh, she gets scared by some creatures that aren't animal creatures. They're like a a bit monstrous and starts to get chased by them deeper into the woods and she is discovered and helped by a singing boy who um scares away the creatures with his song he explains that those are uh goblin creatures or they're goblins pets they don't like singing uh so that's why he was singing to scare them all away and he takes her back to the castle where her nanny was looking for her, yelling for her. And I guess, did he ask for the kiss? No. She no. offered the kiss? Yeah, she's like, to thank him. Yeah, yeah okay, so she to thank him, she was going to give him a kiss, but that got interrupted, and then uh, he went to his home. He's the son of a miner. Uh, that's how he learned about the goblin lore, uh, because they the miners get closest to the goblins in the caves. The princess back at the castle tells tells about the goblins to the nanny she doesn't believe her but her father the king does and i i can't remember quite when but she meets her grandmother who has left her these rose markings to help kind of lead her to where the grandmother is in like the tallest parts of the castle in rooms that are uh abandoned uh, and her her great great grandmother of the same name, and she gives her or she tells her about like following the thread. Tells her that like you discover her grandmother is not alive quite, kind of a ghost, a bit magical, uh, and is making a gift for her great great granddaughter. Uh, so yeah, the boy, what is his name? Curdy. Curdy. Tells the, tells his dad about seeing the creatures and saving her. The dad in the mines, we see them in there uh, where Curdy's trying to help him. His father, uh, Curdy, falls asleep, when wakes up and is alone and starts looking around and falls into the goblins area. He sees goblins, the goblin king, queen, and prince. He learns about their plans to to flood the miners to try to uh, conquer the land above and, uh, you know, take out the sun people or whatever. And so he goes to 
warn his father, warn the king. Princess Irene gets a, the gift from her great-grandmother. It is a, a ball of string or a ring that is attached to this ball of string uh, to help lead her to the place where she will get her own kind of magical ability, not just general magic, but the magic of like doing the right thing and believing in yourself. Uh, and so, yeah, the goblins and the people come into conflict as the goblins try to kidnap Irene, take over the castle. And yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Um, what did we think of this movie? So I remember seeing this. I remember. I very vaguely remember. Like maybe I saw it once. Yeah. I remember the song, the string. I thought it was a light that was leading them, but the str- but it was string. So I, I think I was getting the uh, Princess Salonwi. From uh, Black Cauldron. Yes. And Irene kind of merged together in my head. There's some similar vibes, definitely. Yeah. Um, it's a bit janky. Uh, what do y'all mean by, do you mean campy or what do you mean by janky? I mean the cuts, the animation, like in the beginning you have it, the intro and it's showing the, the king and the guards and they're just like fading in and out. Like the transitions seem, seem to be that they minimize cost or our complexity rather than for artistic choices. Janky's like, yeah, like it's kind of feels sometimes unprofessional or unfinished or just Mm. kind of like there's some weird stuff kind of happening there that's making it not like polished seem polished yeah you know what it reminds me of is do you remember those vhs tapes or something that you that were like produced um you know like I don't know. Some of them, sometimes they were Christian. Sometimes they were others, but they were, they, they weren't like a big production company. Right, so right, in right. that sense, they just looked janky? cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> janky. Yeah, yeah. 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 They got a lot of jank in there. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and, um, not some energy to things that should have had energy fight stuff like that. Yeah. I think I said the song's still good. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the Curdy sings it. Yeah, it was, but but overall, it wasn't that great. I guess it was it was kind of boring. Yeah, it was it was okay at this point. I guess I'll say, um, you know, after discussion, I can def I definitely agree. I'd never heard that term janky, but I would absolutely agree, janky. And some parts bothered me more than others. There were sometimes I got a little, I did get a little bit interested in in the action, but overall, it would just. It wasn't a smooth, smooth storyline. You know, it was kind of, yeah. It's all right. Yeah, it's all right. I don't think I'd probably rate it very high on a personal level, but I also, I don't really find much of it, like, offensive. Not even just in a, like, isms way, but in a, like, offends my senses. You know, like, it's just, like, it's, it's fine. Yeah. Like, I could see, I could easily see this being a movie that someone has a lot of affection for because they did see it a lot as a kid. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I, I could see someone wanting to rewatch it and still enjoying it because of that sort of thing. But it doesn't do a whole lot for me personally. I was struggling not to fall asleep in the latter half. So Yeah, I think yeah, a kid would enjoy it and not be worried about its yeah. shortcomings. Yeah, yeah. And as an adult, like, being around, you know, it's inoffensive generally yeah so yeah i don't think you'd get too annoyed by it being on in the background or something let's get specific 
Uh, what do we think about the story and characters and stuff? Um, they, they didn't do, there have been worse, you know, <laughs> worse play- What a way to start. <laughs> Sorry. I've seen worse. <laughs> well, I actually was thinking about, and I didn't articulate this, but basically the, the connections, the interactions, like the, or the relationships. So between the, um, the daughter, the, the, the princess and the, and the king and whatever, you know, and the princess and the boy and. And the princess and the cat and the princess and her nanny. I mean, I've seen worse iterations of them not establishing any kind of depth in the relationship. This was okay. I mean, I think they did an okay job. It wasn't phenomenal, but they did an okay job with the, with establishing those connections. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Just I, I feel like this movie, for me, it, it draws some parallels to like Black Cauldron and... Um, Troll in Central Park. Yeah, Troll in Central Park is really what yeah, I thought of, especially the, the a, a lot of its vibes to me is like a less dark Black Cauldron, uh, but then all the Goblin stuff is is very reminiscent of the Goblin stuff in in Troll in Central Park, where they're, they're trolls, but like they're very similarly depicted in a lot of ways. Yeah, I had you look up the head troll for Troll in Central Park to to figure out. It's like is my conception of these things like influenced by one or the other and it's like no they look fairly similar the queen goblin and the queen troll this is definitely like yeah, yeah. the less well created ver like of the those three films yes and and yet it is less obnoxious to me perhaps than those films yeah well so but i don't know i'm not sure but black cauldron was i think it would be on level just because Black Cauldron was kneecapped by <laughs> its production. Yeah. Uh, if it were able to be all that it wanted to be, it would probably be above, clearly. Um, I wasn't expecting the little mouse guard that just was oh, randomly was there. So cute with a, with a needle. Yeah, yeah I was just was... like, all right, Jerry's here today, yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. From the Mouseketeer and the very and, and can we say... To me, one of the biggest weaknesses in as far as the plot mm-hmm. uh, was what was the girl's mission supposed to be in following the thread? Now, what I mean is rescuing the boy. That made sense. Finding but, her magic. But, but how how was going into where the goblins were and going up, you know, and was it to get wasn't the that, lady's shoes? Wasn't that what it, she was supposed to follow the thread to find her magic? Isn't that how it's framed? Yeah. Did she ever get any magic? No. It is the magic of believing in yourself. Okay. I guess, but I mean, it's, but it's just like it, it rescuing. I thought the that she was going to be able to shoot fireballs by the yeah. end. So My grandma literally was like, no, not like this magic. Ugh. But it just means it wasn't a clear mission. Like, what was she supposed to do or with the goblins? It just, in one sense, it's like no, they just she just went I, into danger. I think the issue is that from a storytelling standpoint, she's literally following something someone else set up for her mm-hmm. in order to like find her own ability to do things by herself, which is inherently contradictory and leads to a really kind of passive character journey because she's literally like following the thing someone else set out for her that's just like a magical mumbo jumbo that she doesn't she's not really making a lot of decisions on herself she's just like we follow the thread forever you know what i'm saying like she just yeah well and the thing is too okay 
I don't mean to just keep reiterating the point, but I guess what was confusing to me is after the rescue of him, all it, it seems like she did is have to get rescued again. Well, I don't know if he technically rescued the her. The thread but wanted that, them to go on this adventure. I guess. Yeah. That's, that seems to be the implication. It was a, a mechanism to like move things forward yeah. and, yeah. A pretty, and to get like, people to certain places. Yeah. And I mean, this is. Uh, based on an 1872 novel of the same name and i wouldn't be surprised if the thread is there too because that's just was more of a accepted storytelling device then and it's a little passe for us in the more Mm. modern day of like oh there's just like some magical thing that she follows rather than making decisions of her own like yeah 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 um, other than the one time that the boy the minor boy and what was his name curdy curdy like Curdy, like curds and whey. Okay, Curdy. Okay. Um. Anyway, Curdy, he he didn't have gr- a great developed character, but his was less obnoxious than some things we've seen. I think one time he says something about her being a girl, but what I mean is his he did, motivation. He, did, he said, "And all because of a girl," and we all instantly groaned. But fortunately, yes. he didn't really say yes. anything else. In that I know. Vein. So why they even had to have him say that? But what I mean by but it, instead of like some maybe I can't think of what the name of it um, of the animation that I'm thinking of, but. Other than some storylines, it wasn't just, oh, I'm going to rescue this person, whatever. You know, he was just going along his merry way, you know, led her back to the, um, you know, to the castle that first time. But then also, then the rest of the time, he was with his family and he was with his father and he was trying to help his father and things like that. You know, and then, of course, you know, fell asleep and and then heard the plot and then wanted it. So I liked that it wasn't just a constant the princess is being damseled. He's having to rescue her, yeah. or he's doing this and that. You know, I, I so I liked that about the plot and and so forth. What do we think about the Gerblums? <laughs> the spinning uh, prince was so gross. Yeah, his name was Frog Lips. He was. It's so weird because he the way he acted was very immature, but he looked a bit older. Than the way he acted, so it's kind of hard to tell oh, his age because he was also really babied by his mom. Yeah, uh, but yeah, he's like edgy, like pulling the cloak up to his face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I liked when she called him my little immorality. <laughs> yeah, she had really good nicknames for him. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And you and, and Danica was right. Like she when she put him to bed, like she didn't technically tuck him into bed, but she did say good night. And and Danica, you know, pointed out it would have been a better line to say, you know, have a bad night or whatever. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> or horrid dreams or something like Ooh, that. You horrid know? dreams. That would have been. That's good. something that you would uh, that w- would have been if it was Troll in Central Park. You know, what I'm saying like she fully embraced the have a bad day sort of vibe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and oh, the I, they also didn't go anywhere with the... Okay. All of the trolls had like one big, huge toe. And you find out one of their weaknesses is if you stomp on their feet, because that's torture. The queen has these rock shoes, maybe? Um, rock shoes on her feet. And, you know, again, that's why I was a little confused when the princess and Kirby... Curdy, Curdy, <laughs> Kirby, Curdy, um, go in there and he get Curdy gets one of the the shoes off of her 
her feet before she wakes up and you find out she has like five toes and then six later toes. Six. Oh, six toes six toes and then later when in the thing you know he he breaks the other shoe off but they they never went anywhere else with that you're like why is she on the only one it felt like Are a really know? random thing i was like i wanted explanation about her feet but yeah. we didn't get it so i just mean is that's one of those things that there wasn't a payoff it was like darn it what, yeah. what's yeah. yeah is it is that good or bad would they dislike her i mean I, I feel like my, my first thought, yeah, when they took the first shoe was that, like, she was hiding them from the other goblins. Yes. But then she's there attacking, or whatever, the castle with only one shoe on, which plainly the other goblins can see. Don't so it care, doesn't feel yeah. like it could be that. Yeah, it feels like it should be something. Yeah. Which yeah. is probably a detail from the book that they made sure to bring in. But the emphasis on it made it feel yeah, like it and it's possible do that something. it was even like a detail in the book that was just like, just a oh a funny little unexpected thing, and it also just doesn't mean anything. Yeah. But it, yeah, it just felt like it should have more significance. Yeah, the king was interesting in that he was a bit passive, but I mean, he at least believed Irene whenever she's like, oh, I met my grandmother, and he's like, well, I know she's there, but, you know, I've never seen her. Like, at least there's, like, that kind of cheap conflict about not believing her, though they did do that with Curdy and Irene. And also, yeah, and in, in addition to that, at the beginning of, um, at the beginning of the story, the 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 king goes off to, I, I forgot why, the king goes off, uh, whether it's to fight a battle, I don't know. He comes back and Irene tells him that, you know, she saw the goblins or, you know, got rescued, you know, by the, the boy, um, Curdy, when she, with the goblins. But the, the point is, the nanny did not believe her. She, she kept saying, you know, that's no such thing, you know, and blah, 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 blah. But her father, the king, immediately believed her. And then, in fact, he was even like, doubled the guards. Oh, why they made all of the guards seem to be incompetent idiots? I mean, I can see a couple of them, but they just, all the ones they depicted seemed to be incompetent. It, I mean, like, literally tripping over or clanging together their their weapons, and they didn't seem to be able to use them and, or like, whatever. And, like, purposely goofy yeah. character design. It's like okay, yeah. uh, but anyway, um, so yeah, so that dynamic. I mean, he he believed her with that, believed her with the grandmother, and so forth. So in that sense, that was that was nice. <laughs> it cracks me up though when you know all havoc you know later on. But you know he would go from you know saying Irene to you know my what is it my child my child you know. <laughs> you guys want to uh, have me mention? Uh, a couple voice actor stuff. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, Peter, Curdy's father, was voiced by William Hootkins, who uh, we know as Porkins in Star Wars. Oh, okay. Wait, well, wait. Who, what character? Um, Porkins. He's one of the X-Wing fighters who dies. The oh, fat one. The, okay. He's the fat one. And he's named, named Porkins. Porkins. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. I, uh, looking at his list of characters there's a lot of characters named similarly around that time frame god that, that was sort of his role for a while mm. yeah unfortunately for him well he, he his voice he had a very um distinguished i mean he it sounded very it fit the role yeah he did a really nice job and then Mump, uh, who's one of... I don't know who that is. He's one of, one of the two goblins that oh, was on the... Oh, that's right, on, on the, the creature. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not exactly sure which one. Um, was voiced by Roy Kinnear. 
who was Henry Salt in Willy Wonka. Uh, and this was also his final posthumously released film role. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's so always sad. interesting, too, of, like, the last roles or, like, yeah. general animated roles. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Curdy's dad. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess story-wise... You mentioned earlier that there was uh, parallels between Curdy and Irene with, like, the mother, Curdy's mother was telling him to follow the thread, but he lost the physical thread that he had to try to get back. Uh, and then you had Irene follow the thread with, with her grandmother. Yeah. Yeah, I guess there was that parallel, but... It didn't really go past that, I guess. Yeah, they both got fathers and they both, like, had something to do with threads. But, yeah, it wasn't super deep. Yeah. You guys want to talk about animation? Sure. This was the first animated feature from Wales and the 25th full-length cartoon from Hungary. The film was produced by the Welsh television station 24C. No, sorry. By the Welsh television station S4C and the Cardiff-based Suroy Studio, along with Hungary's Pannonia and Japan's NHK. It cost about $10 million. That's how much this costs? Mm-hmm. Gee. That's a lot. That I I would not have guessed. I would not feel it's, thought it was It's a lot, made. but compared to a lot of other animation animated films at the time, it's not a lot. Like, animation okay, okay. is an expensive medium. Okay. Overall, the animation felt like it looked really kind of low quality. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's the lack of shadow and shading in particular for most of it. Um, there were some instances where that was there, though, like the shadows from the lamp at night um, as he was walking around and singing. Yeah. Um, kind of instantly made it look a lot better to me. Uh, they should do that all the time, but they didn't. It was just kind of sometimes, um, and it varied how detailed the shadows got, but... Yeah, they they looked really flat a lot for a lot of it. Yeah, and his he was doing a lot. So you know, through his motion and his different shots, he always he never felt consistent throughout all of that. So there are just times where it's like he just looks kind of funny depending on where where what shot it is. Yeah. And they didn't do for some reason they kept doing close-ups of Irene and and there were many times they did not do it well. They didn't have her face in the right proportion. It looked awkward. Or even one of the times that they zoomed in on her, she was looking up. And, like, no chin. And it just looked very strange the way they animated her face. So there were some things they just didn't this do well. This movie's got a lot of jank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I think, is one of the the jank for me as well, is the choice to uh, have the reaction shots that they did... And the how zoomed in they were, sometimes feeling like they're staring at the the camera or the audience. Yeah, it was some odd choices. Definitely, I liked the creatures though. There's some fun creatures. Yeah, yes. like the big creature that was Curdy kept petting. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that was cute. Like there's like a f- crab frog, some fun amalgamation, demon cat thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I did like some of the variation on the the goblins. Yeah. Um, it cracked me up, too, is when you'd have, like, a big groups of the goblins. You just had, they had these buff chests, you know, <laughs> like almost six packs and these big arms and stuff. It was really fun. I heard he has a six pack. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that's it's janky, and I think that works better when it's the goblins and creatures. Yes, yeah. Uh, you notice it less then because you're like, well, they're just weird things. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's more obvious when it's humans. What do you guys think this movie would be like in live action? Honestly, could be cool. Yeah. There's not really like, I mean, obviously there's goblins and little creatures, but there's really not that much that's fantastical. Yeah. Like you could easily have a bunch of these goblins be like guys in creature costumes and that'd be fun. Yeah. The most is the great grandmother kind of magical stuff, but it wasn't. Still, like, you can just layer on some effects. Oh, like, yeah. It's yeah. not like she Make looks look weird. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, fully. It's it's very doable. So, so yeah, I mean, I think it could be cute. I think it could be cute with a low budget and could be interesting with a bigger budget. Like Yeah, yeah I, I, I think the weaknesses really are, like, the character and the story, not the, not the visuals in terms of the aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. And the jank of the animation isn't, like... <sighs> Doesn't take it down a ton. No, but it's also like, because it's so janky, I guess I don't feel that attached to it. Yeah. So it doesn't, the idea of like, what if we did this in live action? I'm like, okay. Like, I don't, I don't feel like it's going to be a huge upgrade or downgrade, just a side lateral move. <laughs> yeah, because like the princess and even, you know, and even the king, things like that, they were okay, but they weren't real impactful characters so yeah. I, yeah. I i certainly it's not like you're gonna be like oh well you're just not gonna be able to recapture that you know their essence or this or that i yeah i, yeah, I kind of like you said I, I i i don't i'm not that attached to <laughs> to their Truly. their portrayals the song that is used throughout the movie uh is pretty great it, yeah, it's almost good enough to not start bothering me at all. But by the upteenth time it's used at the end, <laughs> yeah, it, does, it did bother song. me a little bit by the end, but not too much. Yeah, it was like okay, the movie's done. Like that was just a little over my tolerance for the same particular song being repeated this much. So yeah, the uh, the the solo rendition good, the choir rendition. Not as good, especially yeah. with the mix. It felt pretty low, honestly. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of kind of weird sound mixing. Yeah, yeah. You were pointing out the some splash effects, especially at one point, that just felt too loud. Yeah. The music uh, was by Istvan Lurch, and I felt like it was okay overall, but it kind of didn't feel to me like he scored the whole movie so much as he wrote a few pieces of music and kind of like One Piece or any other anime, they just reused the yes. tracks at different times. <laughs> like, it kind of felt like this, especially in, like, some of the climactic stuff, it kept being, like, the same particular piece. And it kind of, it could possibly have been different renditions, but if you told me, oh, no, it was literally, like, just they plopped the same sound bite on both bits, I would believe you. Like, yeah. it just, it didn't feel particularly meaningfully scored so much as just like uh, I wrote some music and we throw it in here uh, was kind of the vibe that I got from it whether or not that was actually the case. Yeah it was funny in the credits you're hearing different renditions of that Spark in the Light song. Yeah yeah. Maybe like a, a different song. Yeah. Um, every so often. It's 1991 get a, get a, a, a pop music uh, song <laughs> with some really good singers that's oh got like God. that slow yeah. like 
<laughs> that like beat with that like you can drum get a rendition kit. of the same song yeah that yeah probably be really good honestly uh, yeah and then you can sell that make so much money um let's go on to the part that our podcast is named after how's it hold up and uh bef- to explore that let's uh consider how it was received when it came out okay it was it it has a release date of 1991. I think that that was probably in maybe like just Hungary or something. Because then I have a note that says originally released in 1992 and 1993 across Europe. So I think it just kind of had like a slow kind of trickle release. Um, the Princess of the Goblin was picked up for North American release by Hemdale Communications for a summer release in 1994. The film was a critical and commercial failure in the U.S., only grossing about $2.1 million, being overshadowed by the release of The Lion King. Uh, <laughs> they, okay. had, they had no chance. Yeah. They had no chance at all with that competition. Um, in a desperate attempt to counter its bad reviews, Hemdale asked several movie critics to view the film with their children and ask those children for their comments on the film. <laughs> These were subsequently included in its newspaper promotion. Quotes such as, I give it 91 stars. <laughs> so funny. So. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, it didn't It didn't do great uh, in the US. I'm, I'm not sure how well it did over in europe probably okay um but yeah it it was it didn't have a chance being released in the same summer as lion king like wow what a way to be destroyed at the box office yes like how could you have known yeah like if it had been maybe the next year in pocahontas you might have had a little bit better a chance but still really going up in the summer against any disney movie in the 90s not good for you yeah yeah um, otherwise, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, the main girl character does ultimately get damseled in the end. Uh, their, her nanny character is kind of just typical fat woman nanny. And yeah, she think... does some fighting moves towards the end that seem to emphasize her fatness with how she like destroys some of the ground when she jumps. Yeah. Uh, there was a really ick scene between her when she was. Oh my God. I forgot. Yeah. I wiped it a... from my memory. With her and the goblin that uh, I did not like. The goblin was like tongue out, like getting close to her, like looking like he wanted to like lick her or something. The way it was, I think so he was. He was looking It her. felt like he was. Yeah, he was So nasty. It was not good. Nasty. Yeah. And some of the, I think we talked about some where the queen was beating up a little boy was a little bit... Well, to me, it was really visceral, the thought of her kicking this child with rock shoes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, that but, holds up fine. It's just brutal. It's brutal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's just... Honestly, one of the biggest ways it doesn't hold up is just looking so cheap uh, and being released in an era where its competition did not look that cheap. Yeah. Um, but but I think it for a kid, like, yeah. it's passable. I yeah. don't think they'd notice. I think it's perfectly mediocre in most respects, so. Yeah. Let's go on to our... Spoiler alert! Um, the only notes I have here is that for some reason, the final fight with Froglip on the waterfall is one of the only things I remembered from the movie. Oh, yeah. Like, just kind of the vibes of it. Like, I was like, I feel like there's, like, a fight with the main goblin guy 
and they're like outside, like on a cliff or a waterfall or something. And they and yeah, that happened. Yeah, that's it. That, that, that did literally happen. Yeah, I mean the the that fight and a lot of the other stuff in the climax climactic scenes where they're fighting. Lacking energy. Yeah, just the pacing cuts just don't have the energy to really get you invested. Yeah. The group fight scenes, the one-on-one fight scenes. Yeah. I mean, I think at the end with... uh, I think it's a matter of, like, shot composition and the quickness of the editing and stuff and just... Well, the movements All of of it combines to just feel really bland instead of impactful. Yeah. And then we had this one really bizarre part. So the evil cat... Gave the good cat a present, but then inside the present was the mouse, which was seemed to be a surprise to the evil cat. What's happening? <laughs> Can someone explain to me what's going on? I don't this, know. This one tiny scene kind of broke me at the end. because I don't <laughs> understand why any of that happened. It's like, okay, I guess the evil cat's trying to make friends with the good cat. But then the evil cat doesn't know what's in the present that it's giving. And I don't know. It was so weird. Honestly, with the pencil test too, it feels like... <laughs> the pencil test was so underwhelming. I'm like, I love seeing pencil test animation, like on Aristocats. And this was like, oh, even that can look pretty meh, can't it? <laughs> yeah, it feels it feels like the cat was thought to be a big deal by the creators of the film. And the cat was pretty forgettable. I feel like this is one of the, like, this part that we're talking about is one of the only times we've even talked about the cat. Yeah. Who is throughout this movie. Yeah, I forgot about that. And, like, we love cats. Yeah. But this cat's It doesn't do a lot. It's It's a perfectly mediocre cat. It's a turnip. That's a cute name. It's a good name. But... Half the time she's carrying it because it can't, you know, otherwise it can't seem well, to follow. Around. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's around. It's meowing noises are not cute, Oh, I yeah. Guess. We forgot to talk about that when we said voice acting or whatever. I don't have Did any voice sound. actor listed for the cat. Yeah, I just, it, it Obviously didn't really someone voice like acted a cat. It, but... it, didn't, it didn't sound very cat-like. <laughs> yeah. Perfectly mediocre cat. Um, but with kind of the character stuff and spoilers... At the end, uh, Froglip, Curdy are fighting. Irene, I think, did she get on the rock first, then Curdy, then the goblin? I think so. I think that's the order of it. But she kind of gets knocked off near the end and she's on the rock. And so I think she's she was the one that is able to hit Froglip's foot. Because there's a shot where it looks like Curdy's been trying to step on him, but he keeps moving his feet too quick. Yeah, so, like, I think it's like, oh, I'm taking action now. It's it's underwhelming. It's, it's like, underwhelming, you don't, yeah. like... It's like, I guess technically that works, but it's not very interesting. <laughs> yes, yes. And I guess she's, she's able to get... No, Curdy's there first. Yeah, Curdy's there first and helps her. You're right. She right. Her out a branch that then but then she him. does fall back in and she yeah. hits the foot and that unbalances him. And then Curdy just like kicks him off the waterfall. Yeah. Did he die? Like, do you think all the goblins died or are they just like fine down there and I beat think, Matt's? I think they're just fine down there. That's the vibe I get from the film is that they didn't die. Yeah, they're just yes. like down there being mad. They, they got pushed back underground. Yeah, yeah. Their initial plan of trying to flood didn't work. Yeah, yeah. And maybe, yes, the castle is flooded, but the people are fine. And yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh, ultimately the story didn't, didn't hit. No. 
Anything else? Spoilers? No more spoilers. Let's go on to our favorites and least favorites. What was your least favorite scene in the movie? In spoilers with the nanny and a goblin. Yes. <laughs> we, we alluded to it earlier. It's gross. Yes, I agree. <laughs> I agree. What was your favorite scene in the movie? Pro- honestly, probably Curdy coming in singing that song in the night. Yeah, I yes. think so. The animation looked pretty good with yes. all the shadows. The song was a bop. Like you yeah. see all the little creatures, and they're like, yeah, the little creatures. Scared. It's got creatures. It's got song. It's got some slightly better animation. It's the whole package. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it kind of gave me a little bit of like, oh yeah, okay. And like, then, and then you were the like, film. and then you were like, oh no, it's still actually just. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, this is real janky. <laughs> Who was your least favorite character in the movie? Um, the nanny. Yeah. She was just kind of annoying. She was. She just kept looking for Irene and yelling and like muttering about how she's going to be in trouble. Yeah, she just felt like prototypical annoying nanny character. But then like going like, to meh. sleep after a bit. I'm yeah. like, that's why she, you can't find her. Cause, just a real yeah, nothing and then character. Getting, like, yeah, and then getting and then, drunk. Yes, yeah, and- <laughs> drunk with that guy. She did get drunk with that guy. That's true. <laughs> yeah. I, but I agree. Nanny was my least favorite. Who was your favorite character? Silence. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I might say Curdy because I liked his singing voice. Or yeah. Especially the most. I like that song. That's kind of where I'm at, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. And he, he does a lot. Um, we kind of are just having a whole lot of all r- resignedly kinda, uh, agreeing because yeah. <laughs> we don't feel that strongly about any of it. Yeah, I, so I, I would. My thought was maybe the great great grandmother. Uh, yeah, I could see that too. But maybe. like, she's kind of functionally there to move things along. Yeah. She, she really looks cool to me. She felt like she should be in a Rainbow Bright cartoon. I just well, didn't. I liked it. I liked that. It felt of the time <laughs> of did. like these magic ladies. Yeah. It it was I did uh, like her healing nostalgic. You know, I think if she'd been in a different thing I would have liked her more, but in this she just didn't do much for me. <laughs> yeah, she's like I'm a great grandmother and like I don't look that old. Oh, I know. It's like, I still look hot. Don't worry. Yes, fully. I got a couple of little wrinkles, but I'm still so hot. She literally says that in the film. Yeah, she says those words. No, no, she doesn't. If Tim Curry were in this movie, (laughs) who would he play? Okay, so I don't think he can if do Froglip. If he's Froglip, he's immediately going to feel a lot older. Yes, yeah. and so that will make it more That would make it creepier. creepier. Yeah. Uh, he couldn't be the King Goblin, because that King Goblin is sneezy and effectual. He's yeah. like, no good. So do you think Dad King? Maybe. He could maybe do that. I did like the Dad King's voice, but Tim Curry would make her. He's what great, about so I... the minor, the dad, minor oh, dad, the minor dad? Maybe, maybe, yeah, probably Tim Curry. So phenomenal. Maybe the Dad King, though, because he gets a little Give narrative that action. In there. Voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can yell about his daughter some. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I think it would be. I think he would. You know. I think he would bring more energy to sure, it yeah, because yeah. he is, you know, Tim Curry just has such a presence. True, true. All right, let's go on to our overall consensus and what we would rate it. All right. I think no, I wouldn't recommend it. There's not 
anything outstanding to hold on to except for maybe that song. Yeah, like, <laughs> I think your comparison, you can kind of either maybe watch a, a Black Cauldron kind of thing and it's in that vein. I'll rate it, hmm, I do think I enjoyed it more than Troll, but given kind of the the spread of the rankings with other stuff, I think I'll just rate it on par with Troll. So so I'll give it a 1.75. I think I'm just going to lightly recommend, meaning like I wouldn't have a problem if my grandson watched this or whatever. I mean, I don't feel like there's anything real objectionable. It's not great, you know, super great quality, but you know, there are worse things out there and it, and it's so it's just, it's okay. Um, and then I think I'm just going to give it a two. Um, I, yeah, I don't really personally recommend it, but I could see someone else feeling more strongly a a desire to recommend it. Uh, I'll just give it a 1.75 for me personally. At best, I feel like it's a two. So give it a 1.75. Thank you all very much for listening. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And I would love for you to join me any Wednesday at 7 p.m. for Nana Critter, N-A-N-A-C-R-I-T-T-E-R on Twitch. And I am playing Final Fantasy IX. And I'm having lots of fun. I'm creating voices. Um, So, yeah. And then my wonderful daughter and daughter-in-law here um, are are great with me. um, And they're in the chat. And we're very friendly. So come and join us anytime. And next time, we will be watching a live-action animation hybrid movie uh, that involves a dragon. Mm. Join us then. Thanks. All right. Bye. 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 Love y'all. Bye. This has been How's It Hold Up with Danica Juarez and Jan James. You can find our podcast on Twitter at How's It Hold Up Pod. That's with each word capitalized and no apostrophe. Also, if you'd like to support us, we have a Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash user question mark U equals 2790566. Every little bit helps, and even with a minimum pledge, you get access to things you won't hear in our main podcast feed. Check it out for more info. The two pieces of music used in this episode were created by Kevin McLeod. You can find both The Curtain Rises and Cool Cats at incomptech.com. That's I-N-C-O-M-P-E-T-E-C-H.com. Both songs were licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. More info on that can be found at http colon slash slash creativecommons.org slash licenses slash by slash 3.0. Thanks for listening.